and turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Uh, this is going to be, you know, the second or third uh, different study session which we've had in Romans 11. I, I don't really foresee us getting finished with it. Uh, maybe we will uh, this morning, but uh, you know, it's one of those things, like I said, I, I wanted to slow down and be methodical because there's so many, so much confusing confusion that goes around with Romans chapter 11. But one of the, the main two questions or the main two points that we saw, we brought up last week was, is God finished with physical Israel? Uh, you know, Paul had all this way, had been talking and demonstrating how righteousness is by faith and in Romans chapter 2, he says, the, the true Jew is the inward Jew who has the circumcision of the heart. Uh, salvation is not of a people group, but it's people within a group. Uh, we know God has his elect that he saves and that he will save. And so uh, the God's elect are among various different people groups. But at the very beginning, we see that, you know, as the Old Testament goes through, that God had chosen Abraham. Abraham didn't choose God. God chose Abraham and blessed him and said that his, uh, he would create a nation and all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so we see Messiah uh, go through the natural Jew. And there, are, there is some priority. Even as we preach the gospel and the the gospel age that we're in and we're preaching, there is a priority that's given to the Jew. Uh, to, we preach it to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. We see that over and over. Uh, we, these are topics that we will go deep in, uh, we'll get a little bit deeper in, and we're going to kind of go at a crawl, but I definitely wanted to step back and take a look at the overall theme that's been happening. In chapter 11, verse 1, he says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew, what ye not what the scripture saith of Elias. And so he's talking about Elijah here. And even in the day of Elijah, in verse 2, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Uh, one of the, the things that we need to define before we really deep, you know, get deep into Romans chapter 11 and, and hope for spiritual understanding is back, we need to really define who Israel is. In chapter 9, if you look, verse 6, well, chapter 9, look at verse 3. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. 
one of the things that would be beneficial to you is while we're reading is to be able to identify, is he talking about physical Israel? Uh, right here he is, certainly he is, and he will use words like according to the flesh, my kinsman according to the flesh. And so in verse 4 he is talking about Israelites. But in verse, five, in verse 6 he says this, not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So that makes you think, well, which Israel is he talking about? Is he talking about the Israel according to the flesh? Are you talking about the nation of Israel? Well, who is the Israel? Who's the Israel within Israel? So verse 7, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Now, one of the things that we immediately know about Isaac is Isaac was a child that God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have Isaac despite their nature, despite the natural order of things is they could not have had Isaac in their old age. Abraham and uh, Sarah could not have had him. So Isaac was a child of promise because God had promised. Isaac was also a child of a miracle. And it took the spirit of God, took the power of God to bring Isaac into the world. So many times when we're born again, we are... we compare what that is, it is a supernatural birth. Uh, being born again is a birth that we cannot engineer, manufacture. It's not a natural birth. It is a birth from God. And so it is a birth of the Spirit. And as that's the same way it was with Isaac. Isaac was a child of promise. Isaac was born after the power of, and the mercy and the grace of God. And that's how we also are born again. We, we can't you know, rebirth ourselves. It's a work of God. So, who is the Israel? So, he says, not all Israel are Israel. So, there is a physical Israel that we read about, where God had brought all the covenant promises, and he blessed the nation of Israel, and that through that nation, we know the Messiah would come. God had committed unto a nation the oracles of God. They were the stewards of the word. Uh, they brought and they, they worshiped God. But not all of the people, not all of the national people within Israel believed God, did they? That's what Elijah was saying in Romans chapter 11. And Elijah's like, it feels like I'm the only one who believes you in all of the nation. And God said, no, I have a remnant according to the election of grace. So it may seem like God is done with Israel. It may seem like all of Israel is rejecting God and there's only just one or two. But Paul says that is not true. This has happened before. History is repeating itself. It's always been true that not all Israel were the Israel of God. And so chapter 11, I think that helps us as we start looking at the purposes of God. So it's really, we had asked these questions. We didn't get it that very far last week, but we had started asking this question of what happened to the Jews, why it happened, 
and what will happen. So that's the part that we had covered, that there is going to be, according to the word of God, according to what's been revealed to us, it was revealed to Paul, and Paul's inspired to write the scripture, that God is not finished saving physical Jews, because Paul says, I'm evidence of that. Uh, because the Jews have rejected Christ, they rejected the resurrection of Jesus Christ, their eyes were darkened. Uh, in verse 7 of chapter 11, it says, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So, who are the Israel of God? The one that God had given the promises to through Isaac, so and that's what a lot of chapter 11, I mean, you have to remember, chapter 9 through chapter 11 is all connected in dealing with Israel. And so Paul is saying, God made all these promises to Israel. Does that mean those who did not believe that they frustrated God's promises? And he says, God forbid. They are not all Israel who are Israel. The ones who are of God's Israel, those promises are being fulfilled and will be fulfilled. And then now, it seems like there's only one or two Jews being saved. We're in Acts, and you can see that the, the tide has swung to the Gentiles, that mercy has gone to the Gentiles, the preaching has gone to the Gentiles. The churches are mostly comprised of Gentiles. And different. I mean, there's just one Jerusalem, but there's millions of other cities. We see these Greek, half Greek maybe, and, and Jewish churches start springing up as Paul goes out on his missionary journey. And one of the important things to, to also realize is that when Christ called his apostles, he commissioned the church to go preach. He told them to preach first at Jerusalem, stay at Jerusalem, then go to Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost. And we know that that really, the persecution that happened to Stephen in Acts, and then that really opened the floodgates for the Jews persecuting the Christians, and that started to spread to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And so we see that God had extended mercy to the Gentiles, and even to this day, there's still Gentiles are the majority of those who are being saved and in the Lord's churches today. Um, so we're in the same situation Paul's talking about that Elijah was in. It may seem like God is, is done, but there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Is there, is there a remnant of... Gentiles to be saved? Yes. Yes. There's a remnant of all of God's elect to be saved. Paul's just distinguishing the physical Jew here. Okay, now there's neither male nor female, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ. And so, but as the preaching goes forward, and we're going to see this kind of baked in and built in priority, which Jesus gives us to preach to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So in, so we're going to start, really, and I'm going to read quickly at verse 11. I know last week we started at 11, um, so that's why I'm going to go through it a little bit quicker, and then hopefully we, we slow down at verse 16. So I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come into the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Not the Gentiles to jealousy but the Jews to jealousy. Now, if the fault, now remember, remember Jonah? When you read that, remember Jonah. 
Remember how angry and disdained he was towards the Gentiles? Um, like I said, the Jews, they thought the Gentiles were made just to keep war, uh, hell warm. They, they called them dogs. And um, so there was the Jews and then there was the world, according to the Jews. So uh, God has extended uh, their, their fall, has come salvation to the Gentiles, of verse 11. Then verse 12, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and we notice that word world means nations, everybody else. To a Jew, the world meant everybody else. And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles, insomuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now, I believe that he is talking about a spiritual revival. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's talking about a chronological end-time event that once the Jews receive, that then will come the resurrection of the just and the unjust. I don't think he's getting, that's not been the, the theme so far. The theme so far has been that how much more their fullness. Right now, uh, God's people, the, the nation of Israel, is rejecting them to have mercy on the Gentiles. How much more of a revival? How much more celebration? How much? I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? We start seeing uh, the Jews just in masses being saved, and it's wonderful to see anybody saved. Um, but he says here that it'll be a revival at the end of verse 15. I also uh, said this last week, and I want to go ahead and say it again, that some of this, some good Baptist scholars and men, they differ on some of the details with Israel here. And so I do not come into this, and it's really important that I don't come into this as arrogant or so unmovable in uh, doctrine that can be this or it can be that. There is doctrine you're not immovable on. There is. That you do not back down. You do not compromise. But where there are areas that are gray, a little prophetic, a little this, a little that, as long as you're not violating other scriptural truth to hold that position, like I said, I, I will bring up a few different opinions uh, of what we're getting ready to see. Like for here, the first fruit uh, in verse 16, there's uh, different opinions. But honestly, it does not hurt the integrity of the whole point. So men, can have, and men, men and women can have different opinions of this. I do not consider it a test of fellowship here. But in verse 16, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So there's a couple different views. Uh, the, uh, one view is, is that the first fruit and the lump, those, that's one illustration. And then the root and the branches, that's a separate illustration. There are some good men who want to make these, these two illustrations mean two different things. Um, some say the first fruit are the first Jewish believers. And if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. That means that those that are under the apostles' doctrine. So the first Jewish 
and then the root be holy, and so are the branches, well, then, then they want to go to uh, Abraham or the Abrahamic co uh, promises, the covenant of grace, and then the branches are the, uh, the ones who have the covenant promises. I honestly don't think that there are two different groups that are being illustrated here. I think it's two different illustrations for the same group, the same people. That's my opinion. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. Who's, who's he been talking about so far? He's not been talking about Jewish believers. He's not been talking about spiritual Israel. He's been talking about physical Israel. And so I don't think he's just making a, a jump from here into a topic that he's not been kind of in so far. We know that he was in it in chapter 9 when he said not all Israel is Israel. We get that truth. We understand spiritual Israel. Now, when I say spiritual Israel, I mean uh, that is God's Israel. That's God's covenant promises that he will keep. Those are the ones who are saved. God's elect go into spiritual Israel. We're all children of Abraham. We're all spiritual Israel. We're, uh, that's what it says. The Jew is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but inwardly. And we've had the circumcision of the heart. But I don't believe he is bringing up that right here as the first fruit being the Jewish believers. I believe this is Abraham. Because he's been talking about Israel, natural, national Israel. And if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. So, uh, you, I mean, some people don't even stop at Abraham. They say well, it could be the, the, the Jewish patriarchs of uh, when God had chosen Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It could have been the, the patriarchy. Uh, but I tend to just keep it at Abraham because God gave the promise to Abraham. He did. Now, it went through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but God gave the initial covenant promises to Abraham first. So the lump is also holy. So there is a designation that God has always made with natural Israel in the line of Abraham. God has always made a distinction of Israel, of Jacob. Okay, And so if the root be holy, so are the branches. The root being Abraham, and so the branches, the branches are Israel. Now, we believe that the, the branches uh, can also be the... God's Israel, it's God's covenant people. Now we need to understand, the branches are God's covenant people. The root is Abraham, and the branches are God's covenant people. And that's why you can have some broken off. Even though God had given the physical promises, now with the covenant, we have, with God, with, when God made the covenant with Abraham, there are both physical and spiritual promises. And there's blessing in that covenant. And he's getting ready to talk about the partake of the fatness of the olive tree. So in verse 17, he says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Now, the thing is, is you could say, well, the, the branches that he's talking about are natural Israel. But I don't believe he's talking about natural Israel here. I believe he's talking about God's Israel. Within, these are the branches, because some are broken off. And we're getting ready to see why they were broken off. This is still talking about the covenant. And remember the covenant he made 
with, with Abraham. He said, and Isaac thy seed shall be called. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And with Isaac I will make my everlasting covenant. And so the branches that were in Abraham, though they were holy, they were broken off. And he says, and thou, who's he addressing? He's, ad he's addressing the Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. There's only ever been one covenant promise and only one covenant people. And that is because he had given it to him. There's, there's not been a covenant promise made to the Jews and a covenant promise made to the Gentiles. There was just a covenant promise made to Abraham. And then by faith, which we're going to find out, we've been grafted into that one promise God made to Abraham. And so in verse 18, he says, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now, uh, well, look, uh, let's keep reading and then we'll come back to it. He goes, Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, now you notice he said natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Now, in verse 23, he starts the what will happen to Israel. Now, up until verse 23, we're still dealing with the what happened to Israel and why. Now, we know in the bigger point, we had talked about those two big points. God still has a remnant according to the election of grace. That's what we have learned. And he is talking about the physical Jew. Now, some people believe that will be uh, one big end time event. We are not told how many Jews at the end of time God is going to save, but he will save them by the gospel. There will be no other way God saves anybody other than the way we've all been saved, the same way Abraham was saved. So there's not some special recipe for the Jews. They have to come by repentance through faith. So, but there, it, towards the end, or at the end, uh, we do think that they'll, you know, right now the pendulum has swung to the Gentiles. Now's the age of the Gentiles. And even if we were to keep reading, he calls it until in verse 25, at the end of verse 25, he mentions that there is a fullness of the Gentiles come in. So at some point, uh, Paul's getting a little prophetic that when all of God's elect amongst the Gentiles, when that fullness has come in, uh, then they're very possible, it's probable, that God is going to start, is going to save his remnant of natural Jews. We're not sure how many there are, we're not sure how, as far as uh, how meaning uh, when, <laughs> is what I mean, when. Towards the end or at the end. It could be the brightness of his coming. But what, uh, like I said, whatever your viewpoint is on the root, the branches, and the first fruit, and the lump, uh, we could all come together and 
see that this, these two points is God's not finished with the physical Jew, just like in Elijah's time. He has a remnant according to grace, and he will save them. And then two, Gentiles, let's not be high-minded about this. Uh, let's not just have pride and think ourselves something when we are nothing. Now, uh, I kind of wanted to, to wait towards the end to, to bring this up, but um, by God going to the Gentiles, now think about this. Here's Messiah. The one who's been prophesied, he came. He, was, he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. We see that in Acts, Paul's preaching in the synagogues, being, being persecuted. Uh, we saw Stephen get uh, so hated upon, gnashed upon the, their teeth. And he says, you know, your forefathers have killed the prophets. You've done all these things. You've always turned your back against God. And that's what it said in 1021. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand to a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, if we look and we see, now what would have happened? Um, look at verse 8. I, I want to build this point. Chapter 11, verse 8. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them, let their eyes be darkened. So I'm about physical Israel. Now what would have happened? Now we know that through the rejection of Israel, that God has extended mercy to the Gentiles. That's what we just read. To provoke them to jealousy. Had God went to the Jew and didn't close their eyes, then not only, I mean, think about the entitlement the Jews already had, the sense of entitlement. This is our Messiah. This is God's promises just to us, and we are owed this. Remember, Paul had just brought up the fact that God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Now, God is, re, the, the Jews had rejected Messiah, and he goes out to the Gentiles. What do the Gentiles see this as? Mercy. They see God's mercy. Gentiles do not see this as entitlement to their forefathers. Gentiles do not see this as, you know what, this is, this, uh, I've got this coming. Uh, we've been under the thumb of Rome. We've been waiting for the Messiah. We've been waiting, and now he's come, and he's finally come, and to give me what I've been promised and deserve and everything. That was the, that's a very religious type of mentality, isn't it? A very Pharisaic or Pharisee type of mentality is where we have this sense of entitlement. I'm, I'm church royalty. I, I've got entitlement. So by blinding them and going to the Gentiles, what do the Gentiles see it as? Mercy. Now, when that provokes the Jews to jealousy, the Jews are getting a hard lesson right now that it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. It's not of works. That's what he even says in verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more work or grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What's a good way God can teach them that lesson? That it's not entitlement. It's by grace you are saved. 
It's of mercy that not giving them what they felt entitled to. And we're going to read that more. It's, this isn't Phil's philosophy. We're, we're going to read that a little bit more in here. Uh, actually, let's, let's keep reading here, here, here in a minute, but let me finish this thought, and then the Scripture will fill this in. So at the jealousy, the Jews are going to be jealous, kind of like Jonah was jealous and hated. God will use that to swing back and have mercy on the Jews. There's a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, after, now imagine you're a Jew and you, you used to feel entitled, but then you watched God go out and save who you thought were your enemies. Now, there is so many Old Testament principles that are taught about the cleanness and uncleanness of the dietary laws that we see a spiritual fulfillment. Remember when Peter went up to the roof? And, and, what did, and what did God do? God gave Peter a vision of the sheep. And they were all unclean beasts. And God says, arise, kill, eat. And what did Peter say? Nay, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean or nothing uncommon has touched my lips. And God has said, what I have clean, call thou not common. Who are the unclean beasts to represent in that image? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. And so there was a physical principle, a physical command in the Old Testament that had a spiritual fulfillment in the New. Right? So God says, I've cleaned what was uncleaned. So we're the Gentiles. This has been prophesied that God would, I mean, don't ever, um, and I know none of you will, but never let anybody talk you into thinking that the, or say that the Gentiles were plan B. If the Gentiles were plan B, how has it been prophesied that the, he would extend mercy to the, uh, the Gentiles? It, we weren't plan B. And he was going to always extend mercy to us. But this is how he did it. And then not only that, is he created principles in the Old Testament that one day would be applied in the New as principles. And so, uh, okay, so as we keep going, think about this. Now the Jews were provoked the jealousy, and then God's going to use that to swing back the pendulum back into the people group where Israel, not all physical Israel, but all of the elect of Israel will be saved. That's true. So, what's the lesson that Israel gets? Salvation's by mercy. Because the scripture says God has included all under sin. All need God's mercy. There's not an entitled group. There's not an entitled people. God will, will provoke you. He'll go and he'll save people that you used to despise. And, but that despising, he's going to use to bring back. But he, we know that he will save them the same way we're saved. There won't be some introduction of some kind of temple worship and people are saved uh, in some other way. Jesus has fulfilled all those things. Jesus is the end of the law. He's the end of the law for righteousness for those who believe. That will be always true. 
It'll never not be untrue. We'll never go back to Old Testament kind of things. Let me read the rest, and then next week we, we, we will. Um, I'm going to mark this right here that we've stopped here. But let me read the rest, and, and hopefully this will fill in kind of those thoughts. So in verse 22, we said, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. He's talking to the Gentiles. Um, oh, I wanted to say something there, but I don't have time. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, that's a double negative. He's talking about the Jews. If they believe, is basically what he says, they also shall be grafted in. Grafted into what? These spiritual, covenantal, everlasting covenantal promises that God's Israel. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. The blindness was complete blindness, but in part means for a time, for the time being until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so he says, And so all Israel shall be saved. He's not talking about physical Israel. He's talking about the remnant, which he established early on with Elijah. All of the physical Israelite remnant shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means still intact. For as ye in times past, and this is what I was talking about earlier, for as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy, for God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again, for of him, through him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Just a powerful portion of scripture. That's why I believe it was very important that we go slow, methodical. Look at the various aspects that we see that is being taught. A lot of people will read this. They'll not keep it in context. And they will come up with some really pretty far out ideas uh, of what's going on. But if we keep it in context, and that's the thing. There is... Integrity in the scripture, I, I always bring this up, that there is an author's intent, an author's intent. What's the truth that is meant to be taught here? Is that what I'm interpreting? And that's what Peter says, that the scripture, there is no private interpretation. It's kind of like the whole, uh, 
it's not copyright, but kind of like is, I don't have the authority or the right to take God's word that's been written before the foundation of the world and it always will exist. I don't have the right to take that and make it mean what I want it to mean as if it's my property. There's an intended truth here There's a, because whatever God has said, we should have all have the heart and the desire to see what God has said in truth. Now, there are ways that you can kind of keep within the road. There's guardrails. Some of these guardrails are is this truth here was not, is not going to contradict a, another truth later or somewhere else. So that's kind of a guardrail. You know, it's, it's when people try to force a round peg in a square hole and uh, make it say what they want to say, and we see that all the time. We see that all the time. My dad, oh, I need to quit. Um, as far as taking things out of context, my dad said, okay, well, if you want to just point to a place in Scripture and take it out of context, you know what the Bible says? It says, and Judas went out and hung himself. The Bible also says, now go and do likewise. And it also says, whatever you do, do it quickly. That's what people do. They'll take it out of context. There is integrity in the truth of word, in the word of God. And so we need to uh, examine and study. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us and having mercy on us, Father. For we do not deserve it. We're not entitled to your mercy. But, Father, how wonderful we praise your name that you chose and that you have mercy upon us. Father, we do pray for those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior, that today that you may stir their hearts or whatever other people might have needs for. Father, we pray, Lord, that you just um, lift their hearts today through the, the teaching of your holy word, through the worship service. May we all lift our hearts up and praise you in Jesus' name.